I want to say happy birthday to you all. It was a few days ago, yeah. but still, we'll say happy birthday. Happy yeah. birthday to you. Okay, they're good to sing. Happy birthday, dear Nate. Happy birthday, Thank you. You have a good birthday? I did have a good birthday. Good. Good. Well, he prayed about something that's been burning in my heart. It's been there for a year now. Last December, when I got a visit from a young man and didn't want to take time out to do it, Diane Brass convinced me, let's just take a half hour. Spent the half hour. Got done, I realized that he had something I needed. I asked him to pray for me, just knelt down. He's less than half my age. And he prayed, simple prayer, not flamboyant or loud, it was quiet. And God snuck up on me. Something happened that changed the way I lived, that changed the way I prayed, changed the way I functioned. Found myself getting up in the middle of the night and praying. I'd done that a few times before, but now it was more often. And I found myself praying for revival. I'd never done that before. And so I want to share from the Christmas story, but then move it into the area of revival, which happened as a result of two sons born. Two sons, two places, two people, two women one in Judea, one in north up in Galilee, a place called Nazareth. How far apart are they? What do you think? At least up to a week, about 80 miles, 80, 90 miles, through some difficult terrain, Judean wilderness. That's where thieves would hang out. I think she would have rather been with Joseph in difficult circumstances than in Nazareth with people talking. So she made a good choice. So one, the first one that the angel came to, what was the name of the angel? Gabriel. Maybe he's a messenger angel. There are two archangels that are named in the scripture. One is Gabriel, another is Michael. Michael appears to be a warring angel. That's what he did. He warred. And it appears, at least from the times that we see Gabriel, do you know any other time that he visited somebody, gave him a message? Daniel. So that may be his calling as an angel. God's got a kingdom. God's got angels, maybe a billion of them. We don't know how many. I think it was emptied out at Christmas Day. And the heavens just literally, all you can see was angels. But others didn't see it. You know, this isn't a big crowd tonight. This is a lot bigger than those that came to see Jesus. Isn't that something? God doesn't need a big crowd to do a powerful thing. I think he's going to use this crowd, this group, in the days ahead to do some things. Can I say that history will write about it? Sounds kind of dramatic but I do believe it. Because God spoke to me, and then he was speaking to other people at the same time, like a guy named Nate who called me up and said, you know anybody who's praying, who's thinking revival? I said, we've got to get together. So we got together. We, we teamed up, and then others have joined us who feel the same way, that 
this could be the big one. So we'll get into that in a moment. Luke chapter 1. Got a Bible? You can join with me. He's doing his kingly, his, his priestly duties in the temple in Jerusalem. He lives in the Judean, Judean hills nearby. When an angel shows up, that doesn't happen very often. Once in a lifetime, if that. And he's afraid. This, they don't say, oh, how sweet, how cute. They never said that. They were in terror because angels, one angel could take out the U.S. Marines. So, verse 12, And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. The angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer is heard. What was his prayer? Pardon? That Jesus would come? Maybe that was a part of his prayer. That, that would be a good prayer, wouldn't it? And there were some like him, Simeon, Anna, were praying for this person to come and expecting, and I think he was one of those Holy saints. Anything else he was praying for? A baby. I wonder if he was still praying or if he was so disillusioned that he had given up prayer because it shows in his response that he's not in a place of really believing. Your prayer is heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son. How old was she? She was old. Beyond. So we're talking about miracle now. And you will have joy and gladness. Well, that, that's a good thing, because he hadn't had a lot of joy. Many will rejoice at his birth, and he will be great before the Lord, and he shall drink no wine or strong drink. What does that sound like? Samson, Samuel, Nazarite. Didn't say anything about cutting hair, uh, not cutting his hair, which was also one of the Nazarite things. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even, oh my, from his mother's womb. We're going to come back to that because we're going to find something that happens in the womb that's pretty significant. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. People wondered if he was Elijah because he was so much like Elijah, and there was a prophecy that's about revival in the last days before the great and terrible day of the Lord. He will send Elijah the prophet. Now, I don't think he's going to send Elijah. I think he's going to send the spirit of Elijah in people like you, and that will turn the hearts of the fathers and children, children of the fathers. It's the last verse in the Old Testament, lest I come and smite the land with a curse. So, Zechariah, how does he respond to this? He came to regret those words, didn't he? Yeah. Not, not the best response. How can I be sure? Now, wait a minute. You just had a visit from an angel. This is an arch archangel. How many times have you had that? Well, isn't that enough? Isn't that enough confirmation? And he said, how shall I be sure? I think he was disillusioned. I think there was something in his heart that he was maybe disappointed with God. It ever happened with you? God didn't do what you expected him to do? Your, your, answer, your prayers aren't answered, and you're depressed, and... Things aren't going, and so you, you maybe are a little distanced from God, and now he comes in this dramatic way, and he had nine months time out for what he did there, and uh, that hurt. So five months later, Gabriel takes a return trip. Where does he come this time? 
Not in down in the Judean hills, but up in Galilee. Now, not to an old man, but to a young girl. And he move up a little bit here. 26. In the sixth month, so Elizabeth had been carrying this child for five months. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Hail, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and considered in her mind what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. You're going to be great. And what was her response? Does that sound like skepticism? She was just saying, how is this going to come about? She just wanted to know, okay, I don't have a husband. I'm going to have a child. She didn't say, well, we better get married quick because we're betrothed. She just, I don't have a husband. So that did not offend Gabriel. He said, this is how it's going to happen. So, Paul, this is probably a matter of the heart, too, because they both asked similar questions that had gotten in their hearts. Good. Yeah, I think you're right, honey. I think you're right. So, in Zach's sense, how will I know for sure? Which to me is like, prove it. Prove to me that this is going to happen. Pretty in your face. Because I don't really believe it. So she's just like, I don't understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. How, how does that work? Yeah. Or what she said could pro- pro- probably mean, go on. Yeah. yeah. You know, what how, 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 what's, the, what's the how now? Yeah. Tell me more. Yeah. She got her answer, didn't she? And what did she say when she got her answer? She said, I'm a bond slave. I'm the Lord's bond slave. Go ahead. Let it be. What a wonderful response. What a, what a submissive response. So, John the Baptist is born. The, the townspeople come around. They celebrate. It's a great time. Zechariah is asked what the name is, and he, he writes it down. His name is John. They were shocked. Why? You you usually name him after the father, and they expected Zechariah, John, and they were surprised, and they said, what's this child going to be? And suddenly his voice, his voice comes back to him, and he says, about time I get to speak. No, he didn't. He had had nine months time out, and during that time, God dealt with him. And he came forth with this wonderful proclamation, as if it had already happened, for he has my... my uh, it's, it's a powerful song. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed. It's like it already happened. There's so much faith in this word. That time out was important for him. God dealt with him, and he was ready to, to be a father to John the Baptist. They didn't call him John the Baptist. <laughs> they called him John. <laughs> we call him John the Baptist. And... Mary, after she gets her word, she has, has now, God has convinced Joseph. At first, Joseph wasn't convinced, and he was ready to divorce her. That must have been a terror. Imagine, 
That must be a terrible day for Mary. She's going to divorce me. She could have been stoned. This is serious stuff. Dangerous, and he's going to put her away quietly. Was it quiet? Did the neighbors know? Let me tell you, 30 years later, Jesus is arguing with the religious leaders. John 8, 41. And they said, we were not born of illegitimacy. Did Nazareth know about the birth? Yeah, they did. It was called an illegitimate birth. Throughout his ministry, imagine the humility and the humiliation of Jesus. Everything about it, including the place he was born, the person he was born from, the way it happened. What do we call that person? You call that person a bastard. That's not a swear word. That's a, a word that is used to describe that person. That's what Jesus is called. How humiliating. How humble of Jesus. And so now... Mary feels a need. She's carrying this child. She feels a need to come to Elizabeth, and she comes to her. Good timing, because Elizabeth had been in seclusion. She might have missed her. She's coming out of her seclusion. She's praising the Lord who has lifted the disgrace. When she gets pregnant, the disgrace is lifted. When Mary gets pregnant, that's when the disgrace starts to come. So just the opposite. So Mary now needs needs help from somebody who's carrying a baby. How did she know she's carrying the baby? They're, not, they're, they're 80 miles apart. They don't see each other. Yeah. The angel said, and, and your, your uh, kinswoman, your relative, maybe an aunt, we don't know, is already in her fifth month with, whom, with her who is called barren, for with God nothing will be impossible. I love that. I love to, to say that to myself. With God nothing will be impossible. What is sometimes looks like a curse in your life is probably a blessing in disguise. It's disguised as a terrible difficulty, but it's going to be something that God's going to use. If you, if you say with God, nothing will be impossible. So here's Mary. She steps into the door. Elizabeth doesn't know she's coming. She steps in the door, and, and Elizabeth inside feels a kick in her tummy of the baby five months along, maybe, I don't know, about that big. And Karen carried seven children, and I felt lots of kicks. Right? There was something about this kick that was divinely inspired. Five months along, John is responding to the baby in the womb Less than a centimeter? This is a Holy Spirit moment, if there ever was one. And Elizabeth is filled with the Spirit and says, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. How did she know she was pregnant? The Lord is telling her right now. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how is it that the mother of my Lord, listen to what she just said. That little baby is her Lord. She's saying, you're carrying my Lord. 
that the mother of my Lord should come to me, and blessed is she who believed what was spoken to her. So it's not about Elizabeth. Elizabeth could have said, hey, I'm, I'm carrying a, a child that's going to be great. That's what Gabriel said. But she puts it all toward Mary. What does Mary do? Put it all toward the Lord. When Elizabeth finishes her song, then Mary explodes with the, what's called the Magnificat, which is the, in the Latin, it's the first word of this Magnificat. It's the first word of what Mary says. So she's praising. It means to magnify. She is magnifying God. And she's magnifying the, the Lord. She'll, she'll one day call the, the boy that she's carrying her Lord. This is such an incredibly beautiful, spirit-inspired story. There's, none, there's never been a, such a remarkable encounter of two women. So Mary stays for three months, leaves just before John is born, goes back to Nazareth to face a difficult crowd. She's, getting, she's starting to show now. And Elizabeth has her baby. The town shows up. And then uh, Romans show up in town and announce an edict from Caesar Augustus. So I don't know if Mary was required to come, but good thing. She came with Joseph, and they had Jesus, few attendants, shepherds, as we heard from Nate, were on the low end of the social food chain. And that's who came. God was making a statement about humility. Attended by maybe a million or a billion angels in the sky. And it was the shepherds that heard it. I don't know how they could hear it, not anybody else, but that's how it happened. Quite a story. So fast forward now, 30 years. And here is John. He's been meditating all his adult life. And now the word comes to him, it says in Luke 3. The word of the Lord comes to him, and he begins to preach. Where, is, where, is his, where does he preach? In the desert. In the Judean desert. It's really barren. Really, really barren. Been there a lot of times. It's a desert. It's very hot. You go down that street to, to the low end. You're down in Jericho. You're at the uh, lowest place in the face of the earth. Really hot, 118. And that's where he's preaching. And it says people are coming to him from all over the place. What do we call this? This is a revival. This is a powerful revival. Then he says what he, humanly speaking, shouldn't have said, but God told him to say it about Herod. Herod had him arrested. He never saw daylight again. How long was he in the ministry? I don't know, a few months. And he's called the greatest prophet of the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, greatest prophet that ever lived. Then Jesus took over for him. They had the exact same message, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The revival continues under, under Jesus. God is visiting his people in a manifest way in his own son. Down through the years, God has chosen to take special seasons to visit his people. That was one powerful one. In America, he seems to have done it about every 50 years. He did it early in, the, in, the, uh, in our nation in the, in the late 18th century. He did it around the 1850s. He did it in 1905. I'm going to tell you about 
two revivals, one here, one in another country. And then I want to pray with you. Because of my strong conviction, Nate's strong conviction, that we have started to enter in what could be the one that's spoken of in Malachi 4, that uh, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes, before the final day where there will be judgment. God's given us another chance, and we're feeling we're, we're, we've started to enter in to this great revival. <clears throat> in the Hebrides, islands, which is west of Scotland, two elderly women, 84 and 82, named Peggy and Christine, were praying for revival. They prayed for years for revival. And they believed that it was going to happen. They kept praying, kept believing. What do you do in times of great need? Like, we're in a, are we in a time of great need in America? Oh, my. Shake your head, yes. We're in a time of great, great need. What do you do? Extraordinary need calls for extraordinary prayer, which brings extraordinary results. It brings extraordinary visitation of God. Down through history, that's happened many, many times. And so these women were praying with that understanding, with that confidence and believing that revival was coming. They believed it so much that they then called their pastor and said, we believe that our church should be praying. And so they, this pastor responded very well, and they had three prayer meetings a week that they were praying together and believing for revival. Thank you, honey. Three prayer meetings a week. Then they said, we think you should call Duncan Campbell, who was a revivalist pastor, preacher. And he came, preached on a Saturday night. Nothing earth-shattering except that these people then said to him, we're going to have an all-night prayer meeting. He, had, he was tired, but he said, okay. They prayed. At 3 o'clock in the morning, Duncan Campbell left the prayer time, and he's walking back to his place that he was staying. This is what he said. I'm not exaggerating. He said, every light of every house was on. Why were the houses lit up? Because a spirit of conviction had fallen on that island. And it was so powerful that God was dealing with people during the middle of the night. And they were crying out. He walked past three men who were crying out to God in prayer. They probably didn't even know how to pray, but they, they knew that the spirit of God was touching them. And so they were praying. So he went back home. He knew God was... God had started something really significant. He, pray, he preached the next morning, and then he got some people that came to him from the police station and said, you need to come to the police station. There are people who are in terror, deep concern over what's happening in their lives, and they want to confess their sins. What do you call it? That's revival. This, he stayed for six weeks, day and night services, and, of course, thousands upon thousands came to the Lord, those sisters were right. They prayed. Extraordinary need. Extraordinary prayer. Extraordinary results. A visitation of God on those islands. 1949. Fast forward that to February 2nd, 1970. Anybody born then? Anybody? I was born in February. <laughs> oh, February. February, yeah, February 5th. Karen was. 49. I... 
I, re I remember the season, February 2nd, 1970. The 60s were tumultuous years in America, terrible years. Starting in 62 with Kennedy assassination and uh, anti-war uh, anti riots in cities. And Timothy Leary, have any of you ever heard of Timothy Leary, who was telling students, tune in, turn on, drop out. And so by the thousands, students were dropping out. We called them hippies in those days. Just, they, uh, yeah. <laughs> and what was remarkable is that God responded to the prayers. I think of 100,000 parents who are wondering what's happening to their kids and, and uh, grandmothers who are crying out to God. And God's going to respond to this tumultuous time in a powerful way. So two places that, that uh, I'm aware where it hit powerfully. Asbury College is a college in Kentucky. And there were students there who were praying for revival. They'd prayed for many months, and they were gathered together. It was 2 o'clock, I think it was 2 o'clock in the morning, and they were praying, holding hands. There were 17 of them. And one of the student leaders said, we can quit praying. He's coming tomorrow. So tomorrow they're in chapel, and the administrator, the president was gone. His assistant gave a short testimony and then he stopped. He did what we did a few weeks ago. He said, okay, there's the mic. One by one, students began to get up, and mainly to confess their sins. They started at 10 o'clock chapel. They were still going at midnight. The president was away. He came back the second day, and he was a little concerned about what's going on because they said that we've canceled uh, classes. And he felt like they did the right thing. But he's the president. He's trying to watch what's going on. A little nervous about what's happening. So he's sitting up on the top. Uh, he sneaks in at 11 o'clock. There are still 500 of the 1,000 who, uh, who are in the chapel. It's 11, 11 p.m. And he sits down. And a girl sees him and comes over and says, can I share something with you? He says, yes. She said, I'm a liar. What do you mean? I lie so much, I, I don't even know who I've lied to. I'm an inveterate liar. I'm a professional liar. And she was under conviction of the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit convicts you, you've got to deal with it, just like those men in the Hebrides. They knew they couldn't ignore it. Something was happening inside of them. And she said, what should I do? He said, well, you start with the last person you can remember and go to him or her and confess. She said, I'd die if I did that. That would really hurt. He said, no, that will really help. She came back to him three days later, and she said, I'm free. What do you mean you're free? I just finished my 34th confession, and I am free. There was so much revival going on that they didn't have classes for three weeks running. Some of you are hoping that that happens at your campus. <laughs> They started sending them out on the weekends, and they would go out, and they would give testimonies, and then revival would break out in the churches. 
one group of three went to a church. The pastor was nervous. I know what that feeling. You know, you want to make sure that things don't get out of hand. And you're a little concerned. And so he was concerned. He said, well, I'll give you two minutes each. And they said, we don't even have to share. We've, we, we're here now. We don't have to say anything. And he said, well, you can share for two minutes. So they got up and shared for two minutes. They sat down. The pastor went, Phew. you know, nothing wild, nothing out of hand. And then the quartet got up to sing. And before they sang, the bass, all he did was say, I want what they've got. That's all it took. <laughs> that ended everything. And they started confessing their sins. They were longing for more because everybody was feeling what he was feeling. And when he said it, other people agreed. And that closed down the service, his normal service. And they had a revival service. And God touched them. God did that around the country. I remember hearing about it. I was, I was here in Minnesota at Luther Seminary. And I was hearing what was going on at Asbury. And around the country and around the world as they went beyond. Same time out in California. I'm from California. Karen and I lived out there for, uh, we thought we'd still be there. Uh, I have a seminary plot to prove that out in California. Didn't, didn't plan on coming back here, but the Lord called us back in 1995. But we were there for 25 years. And I grew up, spent my high school days in Costa Mesa, which is five miles from a little country church. On the edge of town, boom, 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 boom. People come and traveling from miles around. Long hair, short hair, coats and ties. They're all coming together and going to this little country church. Why? Because uh, the wife of Chuck Smith convinced him, you need to open up to these hippies that are strung out on acid they need to be strung out on Jesus. And so they started coming. They started pouring in. They had baptisms at the Pacific Ocean at Newport Beach. I know it well. They'd have 300 kids being baptized because they came to faith in Jesus. Why? Because God was moving in a remarkable way in answers to the prayers of devout people who believed, who were in a time of extraordinary need. The 60s were terrible. We were better to forget it. But they were believing God for a mighty work, and they believed that it would happen. And God said, I'm going to answer that. And so he visited what some people would say it will never happen. They're so strung out, nothing will change them. I'll tell you, the Holy Spirit did. The Holy Spirit changed the city of Nineveh in one moment, brought a spirit of conviction, and everybody repented from the king on down. God can do that. See, he could do that here. We believe that he's going to do that in Twin Cities that he started to do it, and he's going to do it in such a significant way that people in the streets are going to be crying out for salvation. It's, a, it's, it's going to be remarkable. So that's what happened, and we were a part of it. Our church was, uh, got linked to this, and we had a lot of people coming. It was a little hard at first for my mom. I remember that when she'd see kids barefooted coming to Prince of Peace Lutheran Church that my dad planted. But it was a powerful time. And I thank God for that time that I got to experience where we saw remarkable things taking place. And 300, 400 at a time. You had an altar call. They just swore. Is your heart hungry for that? As you hear this, isn't your heart hungry to see God move in that way and to show himself powerful? That's why we have committed ourselves to praying. I try to take the mornings and 
we pray, we cry out, cry out to God, God, do it in Twin Cities. Do it in our hearts. Do it in us. God, we want you to do it. We want that spirit of Elijah to be so present that not only will people be saved, but we will see powerful works wrought. Elijah saw it, fire coming from heaven. That's pretty neat. Lapping up the offering. So, Karen, come up here for a second. When we sing together in the spirit, it seems to bring a presence of the Lord. And so I want to do it that way and then have a time of prayer. If God leads you to pray, you go ahead and pray. It can be a quiet time. It can be a time of, of where you're acknowledging, I'm, I'm not there. I want to be there, but I'm not there. I was at Concordia yesterday, and I shared a similar message, Concordia High School. Guy came up to him afterwards, and he was basically saying that same thing. He said, I, I know I want to be, but I'm not. I'm struggling. I'm really struggling. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start singing. I wanted to mention also that um, the time uh, Paul's at his dad's church was when the vineyard ministry started by uh, one of your good friends. And My dad led him to the Lord, Ken Gullickson, and he yeah. turned it over to, to John Wimber when it got too big for him. Couldn't handle yeah, it to say about that too was uh, you know all the way from the hippie generation the music changes doesn't it <laughs> music change but and it's it's wonderful music in all the different vineyard churches other churches it's, it's wonderful God allows us to express ourselves but the main thing is not only that churches started and revivals started with and we experienced wonderful music but it's the Holy Spirit that's right. That's what we pray. That's right. Heaven, right. That's right. That's right. So, what a blessing. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start first, and then Karen's gonna join with me, and then after a while, I'll just invite you. You can come. You can sing in English. You can sing in a, in a, a tongue, if you want to. We're just like we've already done. We're welcoming the Spirit to move among us, to touch us, touch us in different ways. Work in our hearts. I want to be a part of this. I want to be an instrument, don't you? Don't you want to be an instrument that God uses, like he uses the John the Baptist, to, to connect people with a living God? And they're going to come by the droves. They're going to come by the truckloads when that starts to happen. And we're going to see powerful things. We're going to see demonstration of the Spirit of God in our midst. So, God, we, we want you to do that in our midst. We are hungry. We are hungry. We are hungry for your name to be praised. We praise it here. But do they praise it at the U of M? Do they praise it at McAllister? We want, we want them to praise your name at the U. We want them to praise your name at Starbucks, Caribou, and the high schools, God. We want you to move in the high schools around. I think of the schools, the, 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 what's happened in Los Angeles, speaking of Los Angeles, and uh, the school is closed down, and that's a time, Father, that I can see where children, but especially their parents, can be so filled with fear mm -hmm. of, of putting their mm -hmm. children back. Mm -hmm. But my, my thought is, Lord, if you could bring revival, yes. even in something like that. Yes, if yes, yes. If they need to pray,
cry out to the Lord. Yes. Lord, let their hearts be softened. Let them cry out to you, Lord. Let, yeah. let them have ears to hear. That's right. Your That's, right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Onda da tam da 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 panjo koje. Onda tam da da tam da 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 shatara da. Shanda da 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 panjo ko 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 ko. Holy Lord, Holy Lord, Holy Mighty God. Just join us now. Whatever you want to sing. Holy Lord. Jo da 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 panjo koje. Every nation, God, every nation touched, every nation, every tribe, every tongue. Every school, God, every school. Every neighborhood. Jo da 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 punjo, jo do 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 do. Ho da 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 punjo, ko do 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 do. Jo da da da, jo da da da, jo da da da, jo da da da. If God puts a prayer in your heart, you pray it. If God puts a testimony, or need a conviction, if there's something where you feel like you need to confess, you go ahead. Uh, we just uh, be open to however the Lord will lead us now. That's right. That's right. That's right. We want to be like Mary and have a softened heart, Yes. Yes. Wouldn't it be wonderful if there were revival among the Somalis? Many of them are pulled out to join ISIS, and wouldn't it be wonderful to see them pulled out and join the, the King of Kings? Oh,
Bible says to confess your faults to one another. Doesn't say confess them to God. Of course, He's listening. But it says to one another. Why? Because it releases a vulnerability. It opens other people up as well. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. As you filled John the Baptist, as you filled your son Jesus, would you fill us? Would you fill us with your Holy Spirit? Would you empower us in this day so that we live a life that cannot be reconciled with the commonplace? 
I was just picturing uh, a Lord as he's saying, uh, we bow before you and we kneel before you. When we sing those words, I often see uh, that we're actually doing that. And Lord, uh, if you'd want us to just actually do that, uh, just as a symbol of where our hearts are, Father, I pray that you would um, see us and not that it that kneeling is such a uh, you know, just going to give us points on our score chart, <laughs> but it's definitely. Uh, and when I look over at Bishop Neely, I think you're just on the That's right. Yes, do it.
You do. That's right. Like both Phil and Matt prayed, if God's going to revive them, he's going to revive us first. He's going to touch his people first before he goes to the world. That's that's usually the way it happens. He revives the people of God so that they can be then instruments of revival. I feel that, go, oh, I'm sorry. I feel God's brought Nate to 
us to communitize for this season, for this time. I'd like somebody to pray for him because um, there'd be a lot that he's carrying in these days because of what we believe God's going to be doing. And so pray for wisdom and uh, openness to, radical openness to the Holy Spirit. Grant it, God. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon him, Lord. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon him. Yes. We also pray that you'd guard his times of prayer, Lord. Guard those times as he cries out to you for the things that he sees happening in the Spirit. Give him faith to believe that what he sees will come to pass. We're going to close in a moment. Does anyone else have a prayer or a word that God has stirred in your heart? Anybody else? I'm going to speak the benediction over you and then just take a moment with whoever's sitting next to you Pray for each other. You can do it for one minute. You can do it for ten minutes, however long or short you want to do it. But it would be good to pray with someone else before uh, we break.
we thank you uh, that you are encouraging our hearts that in a time when we read the newspaper and we are not encouraged but we read the signs of the times and we look toward heaven Matthew 25 says when you see when, 24 says when you see these things taking place lift up your head so we lift up our head and we see what you are about in answer to great devastation in our land and in the world around us. You are about something and we want to identify with that and put our hope in you. And so the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Turn, turn right where you are to someone close to you and just pray together before, before we break.